Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by a past guest, Vaish, and her son, Sid. We've had so many wonderful conversations with Vaish, and this is the first time that Sid has been able to join us. Sid is non-speaking and has a diagnosis of autism as well as Down syndrome. Sid is a smart, articulate poet who single-handedly debunks so many misperceptions that are put upon our community. So welcome, Vaish and Sid Sarity. Hi, guys. Good morning, friends. How are you today? Morning. We're doing well. So good to see you, Vaish. And Sid, very nice to meet you. You can put your legs down. Stabilize. When you're ready. D. I. Uh, okay, not D. I. I. A. I am. S, so, H, A, P, P, I'm so happy, T, O, 2, B, E, H, E, R, E, I'm so happy to be here. We're so glad to have you. Right away, this should be like a video podcast. I I mean, oh my gosh. I think we should just use the video as well. Yes, this is so good. And and the video, you are recording the video too, right? We are recording Mm -hmm. the video. We're recording the video as well. Um, Vaish, is this your third time on our podcast? It probably is. (laughs) To our audio only audience, we should let you know that Sid is communicating. What do you call the board that, is that something you created? call it a letter board. It, this one's kind of a stencil kind of letter board. So he's, Sid is using a pencil to point to each of the letters and um, spell out his responses. Now, is that something that you made or you just... Oh, no, it's actually a pretty... It's a it's a, it's a standard technique. Um, there's... It's just... It's called letter boarding communication. There, there are variations on it, but there's a technique called RPM, rapid prompting method. There's another one called spelling to communicate. So there are a lot of non-speaking... Um, Autistic students, yeah, kids, adult students, everybody that use spelling to communicate in different forms. So they use a letter board to communicate their ideas. How long has Sid been using that board? Um, I would say we started in 2015. So it's going to be about eight years. It's taken a, um, Sid has really struggles with his motor skills, even more than, um, you know, typically he would if he um, just had Down syndrome. He has multiple diagnoses, but so it took a long time for fluency, but he could he could communicate with some support for quite early. I think when he was eight or nine, he's he's going to be sixteen this month. So he's been on there for about eight years. What prompted you to use it? Communication, right? So I'd heard about it at the uh, so the technique that we trained on is called RPM. It's the same thing. So this rapid prompting method is the name of the technique that we use uh, to train students to use a letter board to communicate, and. I'd heard about RPM from um, a few friends of um, uh, who are parents of autistic children, but 
it was just like it was in my mind and then I saw a video somewhere I can't even recall what it was but it was this non-speaking boy who uh, was doing a lesson and the teacher asked him so what animal were we talking about and he just spelled out bear b-e-a-r and even that for me was like oh my god he said a word he spelled a word because by the time Sid couldn't spell uh, Sid couldn't sign um, he still doesn't speak he doesn't have the fine motor to sign uh, he didn't use to make eye contact and he um no gestures right so there was like I didn't have any window into his world and so everybody around us was talking about significant intellectual delay because there was nothing um there's no, nothing obvious that you know okay he uh, he gets it or anything like that it was very it, it's to all to anybody who saw it it's like seeing a person that didn't understand you at all and and then I saw a video of a child that presented likes it and then he's spelling this word so we went to meet Soma the founder of RPM in Austin and by the end of the workshop, he was uh, spelling out simple things like he was talking, he just made up a story about a dog in a farm. But these were the very first words that we'd ever heard from him. Like, so ever, ever, like the first thing I was like, I remember he said dog and farm and I was like in tears and I was like bawling my heart out because I, I didn't know that that was possible. And uh, I think that was it. So that you'll hear similar stories from other people who have done um, spelling methods using letter boards because usually um, people end up trying them because all other methods have not worked. And this includes iPad apps and we, we prolog code to go. We tried AAC of all sorts. And it turns out that high-tech AAC doesn't work for a lot of people. You need to go really low-tech. And yeah, that's that's the beginning of our story. Is that because high-tech can be so overwhelming with all of the other things going on? Um, you want to answer? You want me to answer? You can say sit or long. I... W, I, L, L. Okay, go ahead. So why does high tech AC not work for you? A, A, M, O, V, keep moving. E, what's that? O, V, E, N? Is that an S? Okay, R, O, V, E, R, S, S, T, I, M, U, L, A, T, and E, and I'm overstimulated. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's it. So it's it 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 creates recurring patterns. So Sid had figured out how to say a sentence. And it's just like all of these shiny buttons. And he would say the same thing. I want to eat cookie over and over again. And what we noticed was, and I've noticed this with a lot of other people, other kids too, is that it was good for asking for what you want. So I want cookie, I want music. and But that's where the communication stopped. And a lot of people will argue that that's communication and it's one step, but that's communication is also this. It's actually this, like it's it's not just saying what you want. It's it's sharing that it's a great day outside or I'm overstimulated or, I, um, or writing a piece of poetry or something like that. And I have never, for an autistic child, okay, I have to make this, if you have a stroke or something that's different, but for an autistic child, I've very rarely seen iPad-based ASCs to go beyond the I want. Um, I'm not actually sure. I'm not an expert in this. I have not seen it, but I have seen it work well for kids um, with cerebral palsy, uh, for people that have had a stroke uh, and so on. I've just not seen it personally work very well for autistic kids. And I'm happy to be proven wrong, but yeah. What's an RPM? Our rapid prompting method. It's a it's a method of uh, teaching academics. Part of it, some parts of it are the letter board, um, and some parts of it go beyond. 
So it's it was the first method that taught kids to um, start using letterboard for academics and communication. How long ago was that created? I actually don't know. Um, I'll I'll reference the website. It's halo-soma.org, and I'll um, I can also email that to you. But I actually don't. I I know it was more than twenty years ago because I know that Soma has been working with her son for a very long time. So um, it's it's been around for a for a long time. It's just been recently that there's been a lot of um, activity and awareness around it. And I think a lot of it is like over the past year, there's been a movie called Spellers. It's a documentary. And I think that's created a lot of momentum as well. But yeah, it's been around for a very long time. And you went to Austin. We went to Austin. Now there are RPM practitioners everywhere. I think even at the time they may have been, but the founder lives in Austin and that's where we went to see her. How did you find out about it? I know that a friend told us, I actually, I've, I've thought about this many times and I don't remember who told me. It was somebody that said, you should try RPM with Sid. And it was in the back of my mind. And then I saw this video somewhere. I wish I could remember who so I could thank them. And it is like the single most transformative um, experience of our lives. Sid, how did that feel to be able to communicate? Do you want your elbows to be supported? Okay, so let's scoot back up. Okay. Listeners, Vaish is supporting Sid's elbows. We're still on video. Okay. I. F. E. L. T. I felt. T. E. R. I think. R. Yeah. I. G doesn't make sense. T. E. R. R. I. Keep going. F. I. E. I felt terrified. T. T H A T. I felt terrified that. Okay, keep on. M. My. V. O. I. C. My voice. W. A. My voice was. F. I. N. A L L Finally F R E E I felt terrified that my voice was finally free. Do you want to expand on that? T H A T What's that? I That is A L L what? O. That is a lot. O. Off. R. R. I. R. E. S. P. Keep moving. O. N. S. I. B. I. L. I. T, Y. That is a lot of responsibility. Anything else? No. Okay. I wish everybody, including myself, always understood the responsibility of our voice. So you were eight, said, when you could finally begin to communicate? What's that? Y, E, S. Yes. And up until that point, 
advice and said you uh, you were educating at home, correct? Yeah. For a year before that, we'd started making some choices. Like I would take a sheet of paper like this and I would just write, um, you know, do you want me to read a book or do you want me to, I don't know, let's go out for a playground. And he would just point to one of them. But even that was from seven to eight. Before that, I had no idea what to do. So for the first seven years of his life, all of us at home um, thought that Sid was a black box that we could never reach. But in order to use this, Sid, you have to know how to spell and your alphabet and all of these fundamentals that are taught in in school, in kindergarten and going up. How did you learn those? M-O-S-T, most, K-I-D, as most kids, A-R-D. R S P O N G S P O N G I G E S. Most kids are sponges. Anything else? I would just want to add to that is that um, I agree is that a lot of kids have exposure to a lot of the input that were we may not even be giving them, we may be talking about the news and we may be, you know, we we have things going on in our lives. We're interacting with each other as adults, we're interacting with other kids. And I agree that most kids are sponges, especially kids who are not actively getting input because they have to be sponges because they're they're sitting in a corner and and observing. And I've seen this to be true mostly is that I did, honestly, I did put a few reading programs for Sid on TV. So we used to watch a couple of, I think it was called Love and Learning. It was, it was made by this, by the parents of a girl with Down syndrome. And it was just, just spelling and understanding a few words. So he did see those videos. I remember my daughter was seeing those videos with him and she was one at the time. And I think Sid was four when I put on those videos and they were so effective because she would insist on sitting wherever he was. My daughter's neurotypical. And it's interesting because by the age, she had started at six months, actually, when he was four. And by the age of one and a half, my daughter could read newspaper headlines. And I never taught her to read. She was just watching the same programs as Sid. Um, but she would just sit and watch them. And I think that if she could read, having watched the same programs, then sit, uh, any any kid with a disability would learn that too. But oftentimes, we're, we're not sure that they will. So So yeah, I agree that kids are sponges. I'd like to go back to something you said, Vaish, earlier, how people saw Sid as a black box, empty, um, maybe no, maybe here's, here's, here's the iPad and just tell me what you want. Nothing, nothing deep, nothing really expressive. Um, not only am I totally impressed by you and presenting this way of communication to Sid, and of course, totally impressed by Sid and his intelligence. I'm so saddened by so many countless other people that have just been called a black box. And they said that they felt like that was their experience as a family. That was their fear. Yeah. Is that wrong to talk? No, no. I just wanted you to, because you said other people, other people too. And us too. I think, I think, I think both ways. So I, I hear you. And, 
um, oftentimes if it's not the family, then it is everybody else seeing the child as a, a basically nobody knows what to do. Yeah, nobody knows. And then even the thought process of an iPad being made to to maybe have a child express more is just like, oh, well, what, like, kind of, why? We're just, let's just do I once. Yeah, and technically the iPad is, uh, like, the apps are designed so that, I mean, the developers will tell you that you can say whatever you want. And this is true, You if you can navigate it, but it's a lot of motor planning and it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of figuring out how to order it. And honestly, in our experience, just having an A through Z letter board was like um, way easier. And it takes away from a lot of the planning and it takes away from a lot of the sensory overwhelm. And I'm not I'm not coming out against iPad apps at all, but I just want to acknowledge that because today there, there seems to be a thought that if you can't speak, then an app will work for you. But that is often not the case. And if anybody listening finds themselves in a box where they're, this is all their child is stopping communication at the I want stage and not moving forward. That is when I would say look for low tech um, AAC, look for look for letter boarding methods of communication. Because when you when you go into the school system and they're they're discussing um, your your child's expressive language is so important in the way that uh, they are viewed and the assumptions that are made is more you know societal, but also. Uh, when we're trying to secure our child's right to an education. And this would be a, a, a great technique to bring in to your IEP because part of what our experience with Liam was that we would hear all of these opinions about his ability and who he was, and we really just had to show a few examples that that's not the truth. Our, you know, our child does communicate. Our child does is able to do these things. The fact that he, you know, these that does this, this, and this will, will open the door. I'm so curious, Sid, if you can think of, was there a time along the way before you found this uh, freedom of communication that there was something that you wanted to say? Can, is there something that you can recall of something that you wanted to say but were unable? A. Eh? R T I C U L A What's that? T Please look and I Bring your eyes to the board O Articulation I Is H E A V I L Keep moving. Articulation is heavily E or D E, sorry, D E. What's that? D E P E N D E. What's that? You're slipping. You have to watch D-E. Bring your eyes sit. If you look at the screen, you're not going to be able to spell N. The articulation is heavily dependent O on M O T O motor S. Hold the board. Let's keep going. S K 
I, L, L. Motor skills, A, N, A and D and R, E, R, E, H, R, E, G. Okay, keep your mind steady. You're slipping. Okay, R, E, G. Keep going. U, L, A, T, I, O, N. Articulation is heavily dependent on motor skills and regulation. I don't know that that was a straight answer to the question, but keep going if you have more to say. C, S, C, H, O, O, L. Schools. S, T, R, R, V doesn't make sense. R, U, G, G, L. Schools struggle. W I T H with P R O V I D I N with providing. Can you bring your vision here? School struggle with providing E I T H E. R. Okay, anything else? So he said articulation is heavily dependent on motor skills and regulation and schools struggle with providing either. Are you making a point about why it's hard to integrate these communication techniques in school? Is that is that what you were trying to comment on? Yes, okay. So to expand on what he's saying, he's saying communication is, is a motor skill process. So the ability to move your hand but it's also nowadays communication partners, which is what I am doing as I'm standing next to Sid and I'm being a communication partner. You've noticed me prompting him. You're saying, Sid, bring your eyes. Sid, stabilize your body. Sid, Sid turn yourself towards the board. So I'm, I'm prompting him to make sure his body is stable. And my presence also, we now call communication partners, communication regulation partners. We provide whoever it was in my place, any communication partner would also be a place of safety and trust. And um, we don't talk about this piece a lot. We don't talk about regulation a lot. And in any kid with a disability, um, this is one of the biggest aspects that impacts communication is how regulated and safe they feel in that environment. Um, so this isn't, um, unfortunately, this isn't a situation where if I were taken away and somebody else were brought and they kept the letter board, Sid, spelling would be greatly impacted because the regulation piece would change. So they would have to train with Sid for a while to build that trust and to know, to understand his body, um, maybe a month or so, and then they would be able to um, work with Sid. So it isn't something that can, it's not something like an iPad where it doesn't depend on the person. Actually, nothing is, everything depends on the person who's, every skill that a child has, especially, um, when they're struggling with dysregulation of their body, when they don't know where their body is in space, um, it's very impacted by how much safety and trust and regulation their communication partners or any learning partners bring to the environment. So on a scale of zero to nine, have I said what you wanted to say? So is that 
Do you agree? Okay, nine. That's Is, something I was going to. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just. I just wanted to know, Sid, if there's anything that you would want to say to any parents or caregivers over um, that are listening, and their child is uh, what what would you call what would you say vice what is is it called nonverbal nonverbal you say non-speaking these days because non-speaking yeah, yeah non-verbal implies there's no language but there is language they're just not sure yeah. not speaking yeah so advice to parents that have kids that is non-speaking that are non-speaking this is amazing w a s t e Waste, N O T, waste not, Y O, your, okay, E I M, waste not your time, okay, and then S T A R, start, S P E. What's that said? You're not looking. It's S P E L L. Okay, bring your attention back. S P E L L I N. Start spelling T O D A Y. Waste not your time. Start spelling today. And do you mean teach? Uh, do you mean teaching to spell or spelling to um, as a form of communication? C O. Say so spelling. Yeah, you can finish it up. Communi. C and A and T and I and O and M. So waste not your time. Start spelling today, and by that we mean spelling as a means of communication. So spelling to their student. Spelling with their student. With their student. When you talked about uh, having someone there with Sid when he's spelling, I am witnessing right now, Sid is picking out every letter and spelling. You are holding the board. I am. And I feel like I know why, it, it make, but maybe you could get in some details of why you're there holding the board instead of the board being maybe propped up next to Sid. Um. The techniques starts off like that. Having the board being supported independently where Sid can spell is a more advanced step of the technique. And there are a lot of kids that have gone there and there are a lot of kids. So ultimately the goal of whether it's RPM or S2C or any of these methods is for the child to be able to type independently. So when you have a child that's gone through the whole process, you'll be you'll see a lot of kids and adults. They'll just have like a propped keyboard and they're now typing independently. So that is the goal. It depends on, this is maybe like the third or fourth step toward that goal. So it's, um, I heard somebody use the analogy or if, as for someone that were, um, you know, that had maybe lost use of their legs and they're now trying to learn to walk. You can think about it as going from one level of walking support, like being in a wheelchair to maybe using crutches like that. So this is a more supported form of communication because I am here. And if Sid keeps moving, so I, I try to keep the board centered for Sid. Nowadays, he doesn't move that much. So I don't need to keep it. So eventually, our goal will be to keep the board steady. I don't know why it makes it more difficult, but that's a more advanced level of communication. So that would be the goal. We're just not there yet. So we're I'm, I'm holding the board here. Yeah. 
I would imagine just the regulation, the amount of regulation it takes for your body to get it still and then to go to a, a board that's still would be a lot more. <clears throat> Did you want to say something, Sid? Why? Keep moving. Yes. Why? O, U, N, N, B doesn't make sense. N, A, I, L, N, A, I, L, E, D. You nailed. You nailed it. So what you said, Lori, so it takes more. You have more to say? No. So what you said is that... Um, when something is very steady, you kind of have to still your body to be able to, to go in and point and point. But when I think when uh, he can move and then I can, I can regulate him here. So I can say like, be accurate, be precise. I'm constantly prompting and stuff. So there, there's this external regulation piece that's helping. And this comes from, this isn't possible, none of it's possible without what we spoke about in a different episode, which is assuming Assuming ability, yeah, assuming, assuming competence, intelligence, all of that. Yes. Do you want to talk a little? Let's revisit as, because um, let's revisit that. Uh, well, it can never be said too often. Yeah. You know, we bring one, it into every we, oh. we talk about it. I mean, now Liam's in a different school that that does assume mm -hmm. that he's able. Um, but um, I think it's a really great point to to revisit well, we've brought it into school, but we've brought, we brought it into it our in, home. In our home, in our life. And it it really is for every relationship and every interaction you have. Yeah. It, in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And you want to go first or me? You. Okay. And you want me? I'll go. Um, assuming intelligence, especially when you have a child that's not speaking or when you have a child that's using uh, a different means of communication is really important because you can get very trapped in, because I, I've seen people that start learning RPM or S2C and they get trapped in just teaching the child to spell. And even if a child doesn't know how to spell, usually when you start using this, they'll figure it out because, because you are, um, it's, it's like, it's organic through the process. Like there's no other way you can't go anywhere. You have to learn to spell if you're using this technique, right? So it's it's important that to be able to move on to complex forms of speech that you allow the child to have complex thoughts, and even though we're nobody to allow them to have those thoughts or not, we can we can create an environment that is that doesn't allow for them. So if I'm constantly having baby talk with Sid, and you know, with with just Sid's behavior and you know, like his body language, it's so easy because he's. It's it, it it's so easy to go all you know you're so cute you're like a baby and like my husband will do that a lot and we often get into arguments I'm like treat him like a 16 year old and but he'll say but he's so cute I want to just pinch his cheeks and stuff and I mean I still pinch his cheeks and everything but it's very it's very easy to start this kind of a discussion where we're doing baby talk and then there's no how can a what is there for a child to say when you suppose you ask him do you you know do you see the color of those leaves outside and then. Uh, do you know what color? And if we're just talking about color and the alphabet all the time, there is no room for the mind to expand. You have to create this space where the mind can expand and fill it with thought. And that's, that is what assuming intelligence is about. And that's why I say that assuming intelligence reveals intelligence. Like I always feel like the mind is like a gas where it can expand to fill the space that it's provided, but you have to provide it with the appropriate container that it can fill. 
What are some ways that you provided space for more complex thought? Um, I didn't do anything consciously, but I just made sure that the discussions and like our daily conversations were age appropriate. And by that, I mean how I would talk to a neurotypical, uh, when Sid was eight, a neurotypical eight-year-old or a neurotypical 10-year-old, right now 16-year-old. So I'm not um, babying down the conversations at all. So the discussions we have or whatever I hold him accountable to are the same things that I would hold a neurotypical person accountable to. The the exposure to media he has, and I don't mean social media, of course, but I mean like if you're seeing a like video of any sort, it would be some, it would be the kind of video that I would show another child of the same age. The discussion that we would have on um, whether that's romance or even sex education or anything like that, that would be something that I would have with with a person of that age. In fact, the young adult, um, one of the discussions in our homes is whether the books that he's listening to on audio you know, are appropriate for him. And they are because they're young adult novels that have been, uh, you know, rated for kids that are in 10th grade like he is. But I mean, we have this tendency to protect our children with disabilities and we kind of get very prickly about, uh, you know, is it okay to expose them to this much? You know, all within balance, of course, but um, I found that it is exposure, a little bit more exposure is always better to help the mind expand. Sid, your experience with assuming competence and ability, I'm sure you've experienced the non-expectation. Do you want to talk on that? Okay. Why don't you put your legs down, stabilize? G, E, N, E, R, R what? R, A, L, L. Generally, P E O P L. Generally, people T R E A treat me L I K like a B A B N, like a baby. Okay. I am O O L I am O K with with it S O keep your eyes on the board if you can some P I am I'm okay with it sometimes B you, but I T C A, but it C A finish up. It can get A. It can get what? G A. I think it's A N N O. Reduce your movement, stabilize, A-N-O-Y-I-N-G. It can get annoying. So generally, people treat me like a baby. I'm okay with it sometimes, but it can get annoying. I bet. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say about it, like how you feel when, they annoy, when it, they're treating you like a baby? When is it okay? But when is it yeah, okay? I don't know. Like if someone's treating you like a baby, what makes it okay? Just like 
who that person is or s o m e sometimes i l i k i like t o is that h or c u d c u d d <laughs> l n sometimes i like to cuddle so it's okay when he wants to cuddle i think it's okay when when my husband does it is that what you mean when baba does it it's okay yeah so when family does it and he wants to cuddle i think we all enjoy a cuddle <laughs> um more often probably than we admit yeah so when people limit you don't see you as whole is there is there anything here that you want to say about that i want to preface that by saying that's um, that um, that a lot of autistic non speakers have expressed a lot of dismay and anguish about that but sid also has the personality of a zen monk so you're probably not getting the full story so he's he's very much he's like in his internal meditative state a lot of times so it probably annoys me more than him but so you're you're getting like a partial picture of um because he that that is his inner personality no i i love that and i think you know that's ultimately our goal and i feel like by sh- um one thing we were having an interview earlier this year and one thing i realized was it was with a group of researchers um some of which had down syndrome and what i realized in my conversation and this is probably going to be proven again by sid is that as parents i feel like it affects us maybe more because we're on the outside seeing it and i think that like i know for me i think i'm getting better at it but i feel um always that need to either validate or prove or you know one of those things because we are as the parent fighting for our child to be seen and included and you know all, all of those things yeah because you asked the researchers you know how they felt about when people have low expectations of them or assume certain things about them and for the most part, it was more the like ones that were asked problem. were like, eh, I don't know, that's, that's I'm their, good. That's not me. That's them. And that's, that's some place that I've been working to, to come from. What would you like to say, Sid? <laughs> Sid, you have the best smile, I got to tell you. <laughs> M-O-T-H-E. Mother? Mothers? A. Mothers are P. Oh, okay. Let me double check. Mothers are again. Okay. Okay. P. R. Oh, oh, I see. Okay. P R O D. U. C. I. N. Mothers are producing. A. W. H. O. L. A whole. Maybe L. Okay, so it's L. Stabilize. LN doesn't make sense. L O. Whole lot. O. Of. G. R. I. E. Grief. A. N. A N D. And. 
L O V E. Mothers are producing a whole lot of grief and love. F S U. Okay, not as you start over there. T O U G. Tough. L I F. Tough life. For moms? Yes. Okay. Mothers are producing a whole lot of grief and love. Tough life. So that reminds me, I wanted to talk about Sid's poetry book because that's very, that's very spot on. <laughs> that's very spot on. And Sid, how you wrote a, a book of poems. Right now it's two, two books. Two books. I think we, I don't know, maybe we only have the first book. Yeah, I'll send you the link to the second book. It's called um, Proceedings of the Full Moon Rotary Club. And that's because he, we have a club of uh, non-speaking poets that meets every full moon. And um, that's called the Full Moon Rotary Club. So the name of his book is Proceedings of the Full Moon Rotary Club. It's a collection of six poems. Do you meet uh, via Zoom or in person? Yeah, via Zoom. Yeah. Is it open to new members if yes, someone was interested? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And is it open for members who are not yet um, speaking and communicating that are still, is that something that... Yeah, anybody who's having, I think uh, it started off as non-speaking autistics who were spelling to communicate, but it can be anybody in any, any, what should I say, any part of the journey. How old were you, Sid, when you wrote your first book of poems? You want to go to the number board booking? N O T S U R. Not sure. Um, I it would be about two years ago that his first book was published. So I would say maybe close to fourteen. And then this new book of poems. It came. Um, it came recently. And we're right here. Yeah, it came. I've still not unwrapped a lot of these. So yeah, um, last month or so. It's a pretty, it's a small book. It's, they call it a chat book. So it's got about maybe 20 times or so. Who does the artwork? Uh, this particular painter, his name is Brian Lucas. And this is from, um, I'm guessing he works with the publishing company, which is State Champs San Francisco. How were you introduced to poetry, Sid or Vaish, whoever wants to answer that? We had, uh, so my, my story is that we had written, um, he had written a few poems just like that. Um, and while I, I I didn't know if they were good or bad, but I had a feeling that he was, um, they were very heartfelt. So I reached out to a few people who rec who referred us to Chris Martin, who is a poet and who teaches a lot of non-speaking poets. Um, so Sid's been working with Chris Martin for the last um, three years. And yeah, we started just when the start of the pandemic in May, 2020. So Sid and Chris meet on Zoom every week, and that's how we got started. Q, U, E, E, queer, M, I, N, D, queer minds, C, O, N, N, E, E, what? Look and go, please. Okay, C, queer minds connect. Finish up. T and H and R and O and U and queer minds connect through P O E T R Y. 
queer minds connect through poetry. Sid does a lot of writing about, um, about neurodiversity and queerness. Uh, define what you mean by queer. Um, you want me to repeat the definition you gave to, he, he spoke to a group of college students a couple of weeks ago, repeat, or you want to, so you can say R for repeat or N for new. So you can say it again, which one do you want? He, so somebody asked him this very question because he was talking about queerness. And um, he was talking to a group of college students that were reading his book as part of, I think perhaps as part of their curriculum. And um, he said, it means to be so free that you scare yourself. <sighs> wow. I don't have anything else to say about feeling being queer. Q, U, E, E, R, N, E, S. Queerness is a S T R E N G. Queerness is a strength. Okay. T the start over P R I D E of B E. I N. Okay. The pride of being. Stabilize a little bit. Just push down on your hands. Feel your hands. The pride of being. Q U E E R queer. S H O U L. I'll take that as should. R E V E. R H okay B river B R A T reverberate P H keep moving R O move it U reverberate through S O C I E T why the pride of, I think you said, being queer should reverberate through society. I, A, M, Q, U, E, E, R, A, as, F, U. Okay, you might want to censor that part. C, K. I'm watching. I'm watching censor. you. Um, censor. Yeah, we don't have to censor that. Um, I am watching you. Uh, you don't know what Sid is gonna say. Yeah. No. And 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 I'm watching. That's the beauty of it. It's you know I'm I'm watching you there. You're watching me cringe as Sid spells out. You're like what's what's when gonna... he said queer ass. I knew what the next word was, and I was like maybe he'll say something else. But he's been on a um on a mission to say as many F words as he can in public. So he's so. <laughs> Done. Nailed it. Check mark. Check mark. Do you want to talk more about that? I A M A S E. What's that? X U A. I'm asexual. G or B. But I. Okay. I E or D. D O. And T, I don't, 
L, I, L or K. I don't like T, H. So when I take my board back, it's kind of like a reset for him. It's a visual reset. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. It is C, O, N, S, I, D, E, S. Doesn't make sense. Look and go R. I don't like that it's considered A, D, E, F, A, U, L. Keep moving. A default O, F, I, or D, S. I'm asexual, but I don't like that it is considered a default of DS, DS being Down syndrome. What would you rather it be considered? I don't think it's a default. <laughs> I, I don't think it's a default. And I think this is a great conversation, said to be having because this is Pride Month. He says, my queerness. So he'd rather it be considered his queerness. Or perhaps, so would you say be, be considered like your individuality as opposed to just being like part of a, uh, a group that is stereotyped? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of things that people will put uh, under a stereotype of, and that's really one of the reasons that we created the podcast is to address the misinformation and misperceptions um, that people, and we've discussed that. What did, what did you call it? The umbrella, the umbrella diagnosis. Is that what we discussed before? Yeah, I think, I think the word was uh, that I got from Dr. Erica Pearson was uh, diagnostic overshadowing. Yeah. That was medical, but yeah, and, and totally the same for uh, social uh, thoughts as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of uh, blend into that, right? I think it's a really important conversation because I'm sure that you said that you watched the news together and discussed little and discussed different stories. So this is a lot that's been in the news lately. And, um, and I, and this is an example of what you mean by opening and, and allowing room for the intellectual thought. Did you want to say something, Sid? X, P, R, M, L, extremely, move your body, okay, I, N, I, M, P, P, O, so I'm going to assume that was important to N, or G, E, A, R, gear, I wonder what you mean by gear. Okay, Q U E E R N E. Extremely important to gear queerness in D S. So that's Down syndrome. Anything else? I don't know what gear queerness is. Do you mean allow for? Would that be? You can give me a number rating, zero to nine. Would that? Allow for? Okay, he gave a five, so not allow for. E N C O U encourage D I S C U S S. Hold it closely, you're slipping. I encourage discussion of. Okay, so by here, he means encourage discussion of queerness in dancing. 
So you're saying the, um, the, what, what did we just say? I'm so bad. The umbrella, the diagnostic overshadowing, overshadowing. Yeah. doesn't allow to have the conversation about queerness and down syndrome. Would that be correct? Is that what you're saying, Sid? Yeah. Nine. Yes. So maybe, maybe allow room for a discussion of that. Would that be better? Yeah. It seems like that's a secondary uh, way that your, your voice is being silenced. Like one is to not assume the ability or that there's a, a communication there. And then two, to limit the kinds of conversations that we're allowing. I would assume there's a lot of people with Down syndrome that are not asked the questions. Yeah. I didn't actually ask Sid the question. So it's not like I um, even I encouraged it or anything like that. Like, I, I don't know that I created the space myself. But it so happened that uh, a family friend came out as um, asexual and came and shared it with us. And I think that was the first time Sid had even heard of that or known that that was a possibility. And I remember that day because it was like, um, like, you know, a hundred bulbs went out in his mind and he like, it just felt, he, he said immediately that so am I. And he'd been trying to talk about it and he didn't know that that was a thing, I think. So he's, he was really happy to hear that about that. What are your pronouns, Sid? H-E-H-I-M, him, he, him. I'm sorry I didn't ask you that before. I, I have to tell you, I love our conversation today. This is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, I just love our, I'm, so, I'm so happy that... You, you uh, have, just that like when we ask have... you a question, Sid, and I might have an idea of what the answer is going to be. Uh-huh. And then like anyone else, you'll surprise me with your answer because it's your answer. Well, I had an idea what this conversation was going to be. But I would say, you know, uh, Vaish, we had spoke before about, uh, before we met Sid, because this is our th- our third conversation. Um, and you, I, I feel like in the education realm, it was, I think you were talking about geometry or Sid had, I, I have to go back was and it listen. Was it the periodic table? Or no? Was it the periodic it table? Because he made a joke. Uh, was it this one where I asked him, do you, like, so next year, shall we study geometry and uh, chemistry and this and that? And then I said, spell out your answer. And he spelled F-U-N. Oh, I asked him, what did we miss? And then he spelled F-U-N. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. That's good. That, that's pretty much a standard in art because I, I can like go on the other side where I'm like too much because I'm a teacher and I'm like mm-hmm. heavily into this assuming competence. So uh, I'll just like go, let's do this and this and this. And then he's he's like putting on the brakes and he's saying, okay, slow down. A lot of times all he wants to do is just actually write poetry. So since we're still in school, we're still doing, well, we go to an online public school. Sid goes to an online public school called Connections Academy. So he's listening to these lectures on video and then I'm his communication partner for giving the answers. But it's, um, I can see that his mind isn't there. Like, um, And I've noticed that in a lot of neurodiverse kids that there is what I've, heard apparently the term is splinter skill it's that like this one skill that is so strong that it it supersedes everything else and sometimes when you find that for Sid that's poetry and writing um that nothing else is is even remotely interesting so even language when we're studying like when we're studying English 10th grade English and we're doing he has to listen to these short stories and then he has to answer questions that why did A do this to B? And he's not interested in analyzing and regurgitating stuff at all. So he, 
he'll like write a poem in response or something that's completely unconnected or make up something about A and B. And he is so strongly leaning towards that direction that I I feel like we're drifting against the current a lot. And I, I'm every year tempted to just pull him out of regular education and just like maybe write poetry all the time. But we're we're already finished 10th grade and I'm like, we're never going to get this chance again. So I'm like, let's just finish two more years of school and then you can just sit and write. He's okay with it too, but the but I, I think the the correct analogy would be would be going against the current. We're still going. I've always been a proponent of you know finding the current and floating with it, but just being in school of any sort, we are automatically slightly floating against the current. I think it's amazing that you found the something that you love to do so passionately as poetry. I I love poetry. I I was a a theater lit major and um I love poetry but perhaps uh I know I I feel like with Sophia is in high school and some of the books that get chosen for them to read aren't necessarily the ones that will spark inspiration or you know um I don't know I I love uh, Somerset Mom A Moon and Sixpence or some of some other um Pablo Neruda there are some really there are some really great poets and writers. Alice Walker, of course, my Angelo. Like maybe you'll be exposed to somebody who, who sparks that fire in you as far as literature um, and and narratives. I know I I always have that conversation with my daughter too. Like why do they pick the books? Why are they picking these books? Because there's a lot of great literature out there. So I would just ask you, Sid, to just stick it out. <laughs> Cause I think that is really overall the high school experience. And, um, and I think that, I just think it's great that, that you're a poet Sid, are you interested at all in writing narratives? And oh, no, no. Okay. Well, since your poetry doesn't get written down, without your mom being there to assist you in expressing your poetry, I asked the question, are you thinking of poetry all day long or during the day, or what percentage of the day do you think you are have making up poems in, in your mind? E or I, A, M, I, N, T, H, I'm in the M O M E. What's that? And I'm in the moment. When you're ready, P H E the M I N the mind W H E. And the mind when in R E S O N A N in resonance Y or W. Okay, start over. The mind when in resonance O W. Okay, W I. T with with the D I V I and with the divine C A 
C-A-O, C-A-N, can, C, R-E, A, okay, little bit more present with the letter board also, keep stand here, can, C-R-E-A-T, can create, what's that, P-O-E-T-R, can create poetry, the mind when in resonance with the big mind, with the divine, sorry, can create poetry, O, you, I think, out, O, out of, A, I, air. I think he said some, I forgot his first sentence. I am in the moment or something like that. And the mind, when in resonance with the divine, can create poetry out of air. Is that one of your poems? Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, really a beautiful. response from a poet. I like watching as... as um. He's spelling to you. I like watching, like the the thoughts come to your mind, yeah. Sid, and you express those. Is it sometimes hard when you're writing poems because they're so uh, personal to recite them to or communicate them to your mom? Why? Yes. Do you edit yourself? Why? Yes. Yeah. How do you get uh, a poem that is its most true essence, what you're trying to communicate? I, I can't. H, E, R, her, E, N, E, R, G, her energy, A, I, N, I, N, Z, I, N, T, E, R, F, E, R, E, S. I can't hurt. Energy interferes. But well, because I'm curious. Because as a you know, when you're when you're writing, there's the the process in which we write and rewrite and edit. Um, but poetry is such a pure. I mean, every word, even your. I'm I'm in the moment. And was that a poem? Did you just make that up on the spot, or is that like something that you've written before? On the spot, yes or no? Yes. Do you consider it a poem? No. A lot of his answers are somewhat shaped like that, which is sometimes why it's hard to get very specific responses from Sid because he's, it's like poetry. Mm -hmm. No, it's beautiful. I love that response. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, when you're in the presence, what was it? Of the, when you're, divine. When you're, of the divine, when your mind is in the presence of the divine. You can create poetry out of air. And I would have to say that that would be just really the truth about life in, in every moment. You know, you make, you make life poetry, Sid. This conversation has been poetry. Um, is there anything else? Because we've touched on so much. I mean, we've really talked about so many really big things that I feel like would merit individual conversations. Um, is there anything that you want to, that you'd like to add B, E, Y, O, and beyond, H, A, P, P, beyond happy, T, O, C, H, A, beyond happy to chat, T, O, D, A, Beyond happy to chat today. We loved it too. 
Well, you know, you're always welcome to come back if there's something that you want to share or you want to talk about your poems or anything else. I'm honored that you shared so much and you were so open and honest with us about everything. I mean, I feel like there there's something to be said that I feel like words are not wasted. I feel like your words are carefully chosen to express at the most concise point. I think that's so well put, Laurie, because that's um, Chris Martin, his teacher, uh, uh, wrote a book. And in that, he wrote about the, he, he has a couple of small passages about Sid. And um, that's what he wrote is that when it takes so much effort of your muscles and your vision and everything to spell out like a single word, it can take up to five minutes for a full sentence or more. Um, what is the word for it? Thrift uh, of words becomes of extreme importance. So it's really important that every word means something. I, yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean, I just... I respond, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Well, through your poetry, you're speaking in the most efficient way to express yourself. And it's something I, I, I can learn. And I know that um, when Liam was first with his expressive language, that was, I, I remember that being a, a, a point. There's not, and, and it's one of the things I love, uh, I loved when we would talk in sign language. Um, I'm guilty of wasting this gift of words, um, but just having to choose and say and, and know what it is you want to communicate. I think it, it, you know, it builds that muscle, it builds different muscles and it builds the exact muscles that um, society tries to deny exist, which is the the paradox here. Because at one conversation with Sid, I think diminishes every misperception and stereotype that anyone would decide to bring into the, the relationship beforehand. And that does so much, opens so many doors for everyone and people coming behind you. Do you want to respond to that, Sid, before I? I don't think so. No response. I don't know. This is an assumption. But I imagine like I, sometimes I'll entertain conversations that don't necessarily maybe serve what I want in my life or um, who I am and relationships, I imagine that you're, you're more selective and that's not something that you entertain often. I am so H A P P. I'm so happy to H E A. I think that's here. Y and O and Find it. You said Y-O-V, Y-O-U, Y-O-U, your T-H-O-U-G-H. I'm so happy to hear your thoughts. I-F-I-F-I-S or F-I-N. I find like this. Okay, cool. Y. Oh, keep moving. You. I find you to A or B. I find you to be A, K, K, I, N, 
I think it's going to K-I-N-D. Okay, find it. R. Okay, got it. R-E. Kindred. S-O. You and soul. I'm so happy to hear your thoughts. I find you to be a kindred soul. Wow. That just fills my heart, Sid. And it makes, that's like, that's an honor. Um, that I don't take lightly. I, I, I got to tell you that you're so honest and truthful when uh, I could see when you, I was like, whatever Sid is going to say, it's going to impact me. Like, I didn't know. I find you to be annoying. I don't, <laughs> I don't you know, cause you're honest. That's like, you can't, um, that's such a gift. Uh, and, and I was, I was anxiously, um, waiting to see what you were going to spell. And I have to tell you that those words are well, you just made my day, Sid. Thank you so much. Um, I even forgot. I know I had another question after that. And I, I think that's... I think it's rare that because I'm always present in Sid's conversations as an onlooker plus communication partner, that usually, like many conversations, start out similarly where we are asking about, you know, do you get annoyed? And, you know, is this is this communication hard for you? Because those are standard places where people want to know about how it feels to be non-speaking. But then when we diverge to queerness and, and you know, just the, and the couple of observations that you guys made toward the end, um, I think those were pretty unique. Um, I don't think we've actually like, especially what you said that you made the observation of like using minimal words efficiently and also that you know he doesn't want to use his language everywhere or encourage all conversations those are, those are not detours that we've taken before so i can see why sid feels that you are your kindred souls <laughs> yeah we love you and we see you and we appreciate you 100%. So the fact that you felt comfortable enough to talk to us about these things. I mean, I, th I think initially when I ask about um, how does it, how, how does it feel when people treat you like a baby or to not be able to express yourself? Because I think about our listeners and I think, uh, you know, I know early in Liam's journey, there were years when he was communicating but non-speaking until his expressive language began to emerge and my motivation was to help him to express himself to minimize um, frustration because that's actually something that with Sophia when she was when she was a baby they do baby sign language and the main goal of that is so to minimize frustration and I you know, I think for me, it was an attempt to give a voice to other children whose caregivers may be listening, you know, to give them some insight. And honestly, the rest of the conversation and everything you shared is just such a gift because I, I, I want to know you. I want to learn about you like I do with everyone. I want, I want your story is so important. And, and honestly, uh, I love your def your definition of queer be belongs on a button somewhere and a sticker because it's really beautiful. And I wasn't sure if you were speaking about queer in the uh, context of pride and LGBTQ. And so that's why I wanted to, to, I wanted to give you the opportunity to expand on that. And, and I'm happy always to have that conversation. Did you want to say something? Am I talking? See, I don't have that thrift of words that I desperately require. 
Y E S, yes. T A L K I N talking. K or A B O talking about. Take your hands and then go talking about. Q U E E queer N E S S talking about queerness B E S E O T best topic A or okay F O for best topic for me best topic like you enjoyed talking about it you wanted to talk more or just best part of our conversation today option one or option two you said three which means one and two is that what you're saying yeah so yeah so we use the number board a lot to make choices because it, it it's less effort sometimes to just say yes or no answer so yes so he said yes to both best part of today's and um that he enjoys talking about queerness if you ever want to come back and talk some more about it, I feel like um, we've taken so much of your morning, but if you ever want to come back and, and speak more. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He says he liked it. I think maybe the one thing I would add to this conversation is like the biggest uh, tools or um, enablers in our journey were audiobooks because you've seen how Sid keeps moving his body back and forth because he has like he's constantly adjusting for his vision and he sees double and even with glasses, it's hard for him to track. So you can see how he spells, but he cannot read, not because he cannot read, but because he, his eyes cannot, like, it's very hard for him to like go like this and read. It's just, it's just not possible. And you can see how his head is constantly moving to adjust for his vision. So it's really hard for him. So without audiobooks, we would have been nowhere. So that's where I make a point about reading comprehension. I will not go into that segue now. I know that's a different discussion, but um, just to make the point that that's where you can introduce complexities. Like you don't have to wait for some magical reading ability to blossom. So we would not have been here without audiobooks. Like I would say everything is due to audiobooks. Okay. So that's another tool, audiobooks. And we can put in the show notes. Um, can we put Chris Martin? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Martin, his website is unrestrictedinterest.com. And then we have um, Sid's second book. We'll put a, um, a link to that as well. And a link to the uh, the technique that you're using. And I'll also um, link Sid's Instagram page where he's not very active these days, but his goal was to put in some poetry every day. So please do. Yeah. yeah. Please do. Vaish Sid, it was just a fantastic conversation with you today and we really appreciate you. I always learn so much from our conversations. Thank you. What's that? <laughs> a? M A Z I N Amazing Dis Oh no no I, I thought you were going to say discussion so I kind of in my mind I was going there but yeah you are going okay D I S C U S S I Amazing discussion T H A N Thanks Thank you Sid Well yeah thanks it was an amazing discussion Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod 
And you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.